I'm glad to see you wound up. It's one way to stay warm in this balmy California weather. I love that video. I love the image of the weaver and the loom and all of those individual threads and the thread being passed across and the weaver making something out of those individual threads that's got more value and purpose than any individual thread by itself. Now, I could just say, why worship, watch the video, done, goodbye, go home. But you know me better than that. I'm not going to do that, Sharon. But this morning, as we heard the scripture read, both of those passages talk about worship. And let's just confess and acknowledge that there are at least two dimensions of worship. One is the personal dimension in which life is worship. That all that we do in life every day is an act of worship because it signifies, it identifies us as people being devoted to God. And that devotion defines how we engage with one another. It defines how we give expression to the gospel. It defines how we lean into life with those who are not like us. It defines all that we do, our choices, our relationships. And then there is the second dimension of worship that was rooted in those two passages of scripture from Psalm 95 and Hebrews chapter 10, which is the corporate dimension, which is the gathering of the people of God to be in worship together, to give a corporate statement of devotion to God. And so here we are. And so I welcome you into this moment of reflecting on the word of God, whether you're here in the sanctuary or joining us online from around the world, Welcome to you. Welcome to corporate worship. And I would say to you that as a pastor over the years, I have had people say to me, well, I really don't need to come to worship. I can do it on my own. And I want to respond to that comment and say, biblically, you cannot. Biblically, we must gather as the people of God. And I would also say to you that because we must gather, because God invites us to gather, it is a sacred privilege and honor to gather. It's not an obligation. It is an opportunity to be looked forward to because we are not only with the gathered people of God, we are gathered in the presence of God. And those two passages of scripture that were read this morning talk to us about a place of gathering. The invitation of Psalm 95, come. In Hebrews 20, uh, 10, verse 19, 25, talks about entering the most holy place. That is the place of God's presence. It is the place of worship. Now we structure buildings so that we might gather. 
but the building is not necessarily special or sacred. It's simply a vessel. But it is the gathering of God's people in the presence of God to give expression to our corporate devotion to God that makes it worship. And so this place in which we are called to, this place of God's presence invites us all to also to take a posture of worship. Come let us worship and what? Bow down. My friend Bob Weitzel says, worship is a place where face meet feet. Think about that posture of worship. Because that posture of worship is an expression of devotion. It is an expression that says, my devotion to God is more important to me than anything else in my life. That my devotion to God is worth more than everything in my life. And it beckons us, it calls us to be in the presence of God, but it also calls us to be with the people of God. Now let me define just a moment what I mean by people of God. You know, last week we talked about how the gospel is evident in our differences. Some of those differences are where each of us are individually on our journey of faith. Can we just acknowledge and accept that not all of us are in the same place at the same time? Some of us are more mature. Some of us not so mature. Some of us haven't yet come to the place where we have fully decided we're going to follow Jesus, and so we're, we're on the journey of that in the space of what we would call prevenient grace. God is at work in us, and we may not even recognize it yet, but there is that presence of God. The other thing I want to confess So I'll just make it my confession, so I won't confess for you. But if it resonates with you, you can say amen. I find in my own life, I am more mature in some areas of my journey than I am in other areas of my journey. And so here we are. We are a gathered people, imperfect with a desire to give expression to our devotion to God. And so we bow down in humility. We take a posture of humility where our face meets the feet of God. And think about what happens in that moment, in that posture. Because God calls us into his presence not just so that we could say that we've been in the presence of God, but so that God, through the Holy Spirit of God, can form us and shape us. Think of the metaphor in Jeremiah chapter 18 of the potter and the clay. And in that particular chapter, 
God is saying, I will do with Israel, and if I don't like it, if it's not the way I want, I'll just throw the clay away and start all over. And so think about that clay. Could I suggest to you that because none of us have yet arrived at the place of perfection, I know that will come a shock to some of you. that the presence of God, when we humble ourselves before God and God seeks to form us, is to continually form us. And that God is continually forming everyone else in this place in the way that God seeks us to be made even further in God's image. We bear the image of God, the Imago Dei, but we are being made even more into the image of God. The Old Testament prophets speak of the, the refiner's fire, of the impurities. Every time it's heated and reheated, more impurities come out and rise to the surface and are skimmed off. That's being formed. Now, you may remember from Psalm 95, as Lisa read it, that the last part of that psalm, after it says, come and let us worship and bow down, the psalmist says, don't harden your hearts as you did at Massah. Think about that for a moment. The people of God, Israel, as they made their way from Egypt to the Promised Land, had seen tremendous wonders. God had provided a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. God had provided provision for them for every meal of the day. God had provided water. God had provided deliverance from them. They had seen themselves walk across on dry land through the Red Sea. They had witnessed all of these miracles, and yet they grumbled and said, God is not faithful to us. And so we are being formed and the scripture helps us recall the human tendency to forget. Part of the value of being in worship is to help us remember. And in the event that you may forget in your own life to remember what God is doing in someone else's life. You see, I wanna say to us this morning that we must be together in worship is the biblical imperative because not only do we have a personal individual relationship with God, we have a corporate relationship with God. And we have responsibility to one another. Pastor Brad said to us three weeks ago today when we started this series that it was important to be present because so that other people could mimic us. And I find that idea, imitation, powerful in the body. Next Sunday, here at these altars, we're going to dedicate five children. You know what that means? 
that means that you and you and you and you and you and you have a responsibility so that you live a life that they can imitate as they grow up in this place. Last Monday, Joan and I were in Phoenix for my mother's 90th birthday. She is some kind of woman. And while we were there, one of her friends came to the party and this woman was 96. And this sweet lady said to me, I don't have a purpose anymore, but I go to church every Sunday and I warm a seat. And I said, oh, Mr. Kilgore, you do much more than warm a seat. You're a model for us because when we get to be 96, we want to know what we're supposed to be doing. Well, we're going to be warming a seat. But you're not just warming a seat. You're providing for us a model that we can imitate. That we can imitate your faithfulness, your presence, your voice, your kindness. And I know in this congregation, we have a, a great host of people who are north of 90. Maggie Davis is with us, 100 years old. Maggie, I love seeing you every Sunday. You're a blessing to us. Margaret Street's, I think, 98. And she just stopped driving recently. But you know, think about that. Could I just encourage you, friends? Whatever your age, You'll never just warm a seat. You have the corporate responsibility and worship to be present so that others can imitate you. Those models are powerful. They matter in the body of believers. Because in the corporate setting of worship, you never lose value. You always have purpose. And we are imitators, not only of God, but of faithfulness. And corporate worship makes that possible. Corporate worship makes that happen. You see, in the kingdom of God, we can never leave behind the emphasis of us or we. because there's a corporate posture of humility. I was on a Zoom call last night with some folks in the community. And I'd not met any of these people before and one of them said to me, oh, did I understand that you're at PazNaz? Well, we're known throughout this community as PazNaz. That gives us no rights, it gives us no right to arrogance, it gives us nothing except a responsibility. This 11 and a half acres and these 250,000 square feet of building are not something that we need to say, oh, aren't we blessed? What we are is we are responsible to be stewards. And in this season of life, in the life of this church, nearly 120 years old, we have a responsibility as stewards, 
how do we use these in this season, in this day? And more important for us to spend time asking that question than asking the question, how can we make it look like what it used to look like? You can't ever make it look like what it used to look like any more than you can make yourself look like what you used to look like. <laughs> and yet it's amazing how hard we try, right? But here we are. When we gather in corporate worship and we come and we worship and bow down, in that place where face meets feet. That posture of humility helps us maintain the balance between me and thee. There is a unique characteristic in Christianity today and it rises out of that sense of American independence and the emphasis on rights and me that has put me at the center in ways in which has migrated into expressions of our theology at times. My personal salvation The scripture is clear, we do need salvation. But salvation, while it deals with my individual sin, is made possible for the corporate body. Because Christ works through the body, because the body helps provide spiritual accountability. It's the place of teaching. It's the place of doctrine. It's the place of theology. It's the place in which we're accountable. It's the place in which, if it's a good place, if it's a healthy place, it's a place in which those who teach the word teach the truth of the word. And part of what happens to us in that me place is Sometimes we leave worship troubled. Sometimes we leave worship and say, oh, I, I didn't like that. And I've done this long enough. I've had people come and say to me, I don't like what you said. You offended me. And my response is, take a moment, stop, pause. Don't jump over that it might be the Holy Spirit troubling your soul. Because I will tell you that those of us on the preaching team, Pastor Brad and myself, Dr. Mary Paul, others, we have no intention of being what the scripture calls ear ticklers, only telling you what you want to hear. You see, that posture of humility balances that space of me and thee, my personal desire and God's needs to have attention to it. 
I don't want to deny the, our own personal needs, but I also want to keep them in the focus of what is it that God wants? Because after all, if worship is an expression of our devotion to God, and humbling ourselves before God to be formed by God, then sometimes I should leave worship troubled. Pastor Brad and one of his colleagues that some of you know, Dr. Warren Brown, wrote a, a wonderful book. And they make the point in there that corporate worship isn't for the purpose of providing us with a particular emotional experience. The purpose of corporate worship is providing us with the opportunity to be formed by the body of Christ and the presence of God in the way that God seeks to form us. So I may not come away with a particular emotional response. I may not come away with a, boy, I feel great today. because there are some things that should disturb us. We are disturbed, I am. Late last night when I learned of the mass shooting in Monterey Park in my backyard. And my believer's heart, not even my pastor's heart, my believer's heart goes and says, oh my God, what about all of those families? What about all those people had to go give that notification to those families that knocks on the doors at midnight and the sudden imposition of grief in a place where there had been joy? 10 dead, 10 wounded, many in critical condition, and the shooter still on the loose. I came to worship this morning with a heavy heart. I love our prayer time. I love seeing people gathered here for anointing, and I love seeing people gathered here for prayer time. And part of the opportunity of corporate worship is to embody the presence of Christ. And so we gather here and we anoint because the physical activity of holding someone's hand, of praying with them, of marking them with the oil and anointing them for healing is a response to concern and suffering and need. And you'll notice that when people over here gather, one of us, sometimes it's a member of the prayer team, sometimes it's a lay person, sometimes it's a pastor, walks down and lays a hand on his shoulder. And when I do it, I just simply say, hear our prayer, oh Lord. I want those people to know they're not alone. We are together. It is our prayer. I have no idea what they're praying about. But they've come to humble themselves before God, to declare their devotion and their trust in God's provision. And so here they are. And there we are.
and I watch you gather and I watch you hug. Yesterday we gathered for the funeral of Angie Morales. And we gathered around Luis and his daughters and we hugged and we cried. But we were corporately bearing the burden of the grief in that space. So why worship? Why gather for worship? Well, we gather for worship because God invites us into God's presence. It's not an obligation, it's an opportunity. I never have to go to church. Well, I, you know, I do because I get paid to be here, right? But I just said it before you'll say it to me outside. But I love to be here. I love to be with you. I look forward. I anticipate being with you every Sunday and greeting you. If you all didn't sit so far apart, I could greet more of you. You know, if I had my way, you all would sit toward the middle of this aisle. But you know what? We gather to be in God's presence and declare our devotion, but we gather together because in being together, we are formed not only by the presence of God, but by one another as the presence of God functions in each of us. It shapes the rest of us. And we give witness to that in the body. So I encourage you today, I affirm this place as the gathering of God's people to be in worship together, that it has greater value than any of us knows. And as I said last Sunday, I want you to think about the great declaration of our devotion to God is also preparation for those who aren't here yet. Those who aren't here yet. Because God is gathering them. There are people on their way to this place who haven't arrived yet. But there are people arriving every week. Next Sunday when we dedicate these five children I want you to be here. I want you to celebrate here. I want you to stop and visit with those parents. We're going to put a table out on the patio next Sunday. And I'm going to ask those families to be at that table. And I want you to stop and greet them, encourage them, support them. And promise you'll help take care of those children. I'm so grateful for those who taught my children as they grew up. Because my children have been formed by the congregation. I have been formed by the congregation. And so we are together in worship in the presence of God, in the presence of one another for God's great purpose. whatever that may be, yet to be revealed among us. So may God help us. May God be with us. Let's stand together. We're going to sing the doxology. And I want to encourage you that when you sing the doxology this morning, sing it with a spirit of thanksgiving. 
and devotion to God because God is with us and we are with one another. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. Him above the Praise Father, Son, and Amen. And now receive this benediction. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you.